You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. It just showed me, like, you arrogant son of a... (laughs) That's what it felt like, Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Cura. That's Grey yeah. Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. A happy belated Father's Day weekend to you. Uh, hey, look at this. Another message to the mailbag, Ty, uh, from Alex. You know, this is a simple one. It's not as exciting as last year. Uh, it's uh, last what, year. What's your, oh yeah, last week. What's your dream Grey Cup halftime show? Trooper. <laughs> So the 97 Grey Cup, yeah. other than, was, well, Reggie un- Slack's involved. It was unreal. <laughs> you know, my favorite band of all times, Metallica. So that would be my dream Grey Cup halftime show. I know that's yeah. unrealistic. Um, but you know what? I think, I think it would be cool if the CFL would have a stand-up comedy halftime show. Oh, like Matt Falk. Like... We got great Canadian comedians, as yeah. seen by Last One Laughing Canada. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think there you could have these guys trading jokes for fifteen twenty minutes. Like, come on, get K. Trevor Wilson up there to make fun of Winnipeg for an hour. Yeah, okay with that, <laughs> I think that'd be great if they thought outside the box a little bit with the halftime show. And hey, a comedian only needs a microphone; it's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> It's a no-brainer. No-brainer. And, and they would they would have to be Canadian or else everybody's going to be That's true. That's true. I was going to say Chappelle or something. Could you imagine oh the God. ratings that would get? <laughs> oh, he, No, everybody would be mad. It wouldn't even be that he's Canadian or that he's not Canadian. They would just find something to complain about because it's Dave Chappelle. I'd sit and watch Bob and Doug do jokes for 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> This episode of Two It Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. And Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough. And they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. So let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. And Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anytime anywhere and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right, Ty, week two is in the books and... What a week two, right from the first game, Toronto and Montreal. Um... We thought that kicking field goals with the narrower hash marks would be easier. I guess not. <laughs> yeah, that was embarrassing. Wow. I feel like I could have made that game winner. I, I feel like there's actually a lot to say about Montreal here. And you 
and we'll get to it later, contrast that to how Calgary treated their situation in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Two completely different ways to handle your quarterbacks. Montreal mm-hmm. decided to pull Vernon Adams Jr. Was the score 4-3 at the time? Yeah, it was It was close. It, and it was the first quarter. That seemed like a very quick yank to me. What about you? Uh, yeah, way too quick. Uh, I could see maybe maybe a series. You know, yeah. like, okay, watch this one. We'll go over it. We'll figure it out and go back in. Uh, he didn't see the field again. So you can't, like, in my eyes now, Harris is starting. How, how, do, you, how do you go back to Vernon Jr. after you just showed him you have zero confidence in him? And I think that's been sort of the struggle over the last uh, year and a half or year anyway, trying to get Vernon Adams. Well, he only had four pass attempts. Yeah. So... <laughs> What are we doing? And, well, and does Kahari Jones have all of the pressure on him as well? Because he doesn't have a contract after this year. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was the, it was like the second series of the second quarter for, right. for Montreal. So, Kahari's desperate to get some wins here. Yeah. So, they're, so They're in full panic mode. That's what it looks like to me, man. Yeah, and it's because it's because of job security. Oh, Vernon Adams Jr., two of four for 14 yards, and he had two carries for 11 yards. I, I just don't see how that is enough to pull a guy because, like, he's, the score wasn't out of hand or anything. But, no, it wasn't out of hand. Um, you know, not neither team really had anything going. No, they didn't, no. And putting Harrison didn't change that. No. You you just basically told Vernon Adams Jr., you're not playing again. If you're Chris Jones, mind you, Arbuckle looked well, Arbuckle looked better in the second half. Yep. But if you're a team that needs something, if you need that a backup quarterback, are you not calling Montreal right now? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me sitting here where I am in Alberta. I, I, I know that Vernon Adams Jr., he's got his critics. Uh, mm-hmm. All quarterbacks do. He hasn't been the most consistent quarterback, but I, I still think he's got the ability to be one of the most exciting quarterbacks and maybe yes. sell sell the most tickets uh, as a quarterback in, in the CFL. And... This, uh, I, I don't know where the pressure is coming from in Montreal or if it's, uh, well, Machocha's got pressure on Kahari with no contract. Kahari just wants to win games to keep his game. And, and I think Machocha is like, this is perfect. Now we can get his guy. He wants to be his guy or does he want to be the guy? We don't know yeah. what that looks like in Montreal. I, I thought they could have ran the ball a lot more. They Really didn't at all. Eight carries to Jeshrin Antry. Just a completely different team without William Stanback back there. Just didn't have the trust. Yeah, and and again, it was eleven to six at halftime. There was yeah. no reason to go. There was no reason to go away from the run. Well, yeah, no. it's it doesn't work if you go like if you're only going to got eight carries and it, and it doesn't work out. Sometimes it takes a little more than eight carries to wear down a defense. Like, yeah. If you just totally abandon it, you become real easy to defend because your offense becomes so one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Montreal got lucky they were in that game with how one-dimensional they became. Well, yeah. Uh, Toronto, they had all the opportunity. Like, they were moving the ball. They, mm-hmm. they were they were moving it quite well. And Andrew Harris, credit to him, 
He had 18 carries for 87 yards. He was looking good, and he was yep. looking like he was – well, he was looking like a guy that Winnipeg would like to have in their backfield right now. <laughs> Man. Wow, Winnipeg's 2-0. and What do they care? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but Harris ends up leaving the game, but this is after, you know, 18 carries, and he also had it three like catches. That was the plan. It sounded like that was the plan from what, you know, was okay. kind of told through the broadcast. He went, on, he went to the bench and um, uh, – Daniel came in. I'm not trying. Oh, that's where you at a boy at a boy something like that. At a boy comes in and they said that no Harris wasn't coming back in. Now I don't know if things change if that game somehow goes to overtime or something stupid right. like that. But it looked like the plan was to kind of spell Andrew Harris out at the end of that one. Yeah, so, I mean, he had over 20 touches. Uh, it looks like he's going to be the focus of the Argonauts' offense. Uh, I, I think they would like to be uh, see more consistency from McLeod Bethel-Thompson, and I, I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson will probably tell you that himself. Uh, 71%. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. 269 yards. Nice. Yeah. Uh, without... Uh, without... Uh, Eric Rogers there, but Brandon Banks had a nice touchdown himself. Uh, three catches for 39 yards. Markeith Ambles had 67. Curly Gittin, 66. And uh, Devaris Daniels had 41. My boy Cameron Phillips had an end zone target, and it ended up being an interception that yeah. wasn't uh, my my $2,500 special. That, that throw, I had no idea what. Yeah. There that was, was so bad. It was just Toronto, and I think they had this problem at times last year too, just unable to finish drives. Yeah, yeah. It, some teams just get sneak bitten that way, and I don't want to blame the club Bethel Thompson, but he didn't help the situation. But also at the same time, credit to him because he took some nasty hits. Yeah, uh, <laughs> all the Usher. quarterbacks did this week. That's like, true. There was some big one. <laughs> Nick and, Usher. Crushed him mm-hmm. on a uh, on a big sack in the backfield, and I think Mike Moore got to him with a roughing the passer hit that ended up yeah. ringing his bell a little bit. The the old Edmonton defensive linemen were uh, yeah. giving McLeod Bethel Thompson a, a yeah. piece of their mind this week, and that offensive line is going to be, I think, something to watch in Toronto because Montreal was getting through and yeah. beating them up a bit. Yeah, and there are names on that offensive line yep. in Toronto. Uh, there are some veterans, but there are some. But it also young seems like too. it also seems like every year in Toronto that that there's such a turnover. Yeah, and, and that's kind of around the league. But it always seems to be the focal point in Toronto about the roster turnover. This year didn't seem as bad. Yeah, um, a lot of guys stuck around. I mean, they won the East last year, but yeah, that offensive line left a little bit to be desired. Uh, you know. They came out unscathed, as far as we can tell. You know, no, no word of injury to anybody. Uh, you know, McLeod Bethel Thompson wise, especially they come up with a W, relatively healthy. Like it's kind of—I don't want to say throw the tape away, but you know, there is stuff that you can definitely improve on because if he keeps taking hits like those, it could be—it could be a pretty quick end to the Argo season because who's backing up? Yeah. Yeah. They got uh, Chad Kelly that uh, a lot of people are hyping up, but 
still hasn't taken a regular season snap, so that's not ideal. Toronto's mm-hmm. D-line, yeah, they get credit too. Uh, Sean Oakman, uh-huh. Shane Ray, Ja'Gary yeah. Davis, uh, they've got some good players there. Uh, as far as Montreal goes, I mean, uh, Eugene Lewis, still the guy. Seven catches, uh-huh. 127 yards, like 11, 11 targets. targets. Yeah, but touchdown Jake off the stat sheet. Well, he's on the stat sheet. It shows two targets, but yeah. uh, a quiet season debut for, or yeah, week two for yeah. him anyway. Well, I mean, you, you're not going to shut down Eugene Lewis. I, I don't think that's possible in this league yeah. right now. The, the rules are too. The rules yeah. are too offensive focused, right? Even before, um, like I think Eugene Lewis yeah. is a guy that could succeed in the CFL in almost any era. Yeah, um, you know, and Jake Winnicky is a guy that you know they go to. Yeah, it, it, when they get you know within scoring range, so if you can shut that down and kind of only let one guy beat you, and they kept all the receivers out of the end zone yeah. on Thursday night, so that's that's. Uh, Nothing to shake a stick at. It's pretty tough to do. So Reggie White Jr., year two in Montreal, 83 receiving yards. But the big one is uh, kicker David Cote. He was four for four for field goals on the day and then missed one from 21, closer than an extra point. Yep. To possibly win the game. He was lining up, and I'm like, there's no way he misses this. (laughs) I'm going to lose my bet. I'm going to be right. chasing. I'm going to be chasing Friday night. Yeah, and he missed it. And I think my neighbors thought that, like, <laughs> that I, I have no, like, I can only imagine what they, what they would have thought. Because they say they don't hear me, but I think they're full of crap. <laughs> because I, I scream so loud at my television. The parlay's still alive, baby. The yeah. parlay's still alive. It, it was a boosted parlay. <laughs> I guess the other half of your parlay was uh, Winnipeg beating Ottawa 19-12. Look. If I didn't have a bet on this game, there's no way I could have sat through it. Yeah, it was was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. My my takeaway is that Winnipeg's extremely beatable. Oh, yeah. I don't think they're the same uh, Bombers dominant team. And a lot of it actually does have to do with the offensive line, and they mentioned yep. it on the broadcast. Drew Desjardins is off to the NFL, and that's created a bit of a, a bit of a hole at left guard. That that offensive line last or on Friday night looked like a saloon door. They are not. They don't look like the reigning Grey Cup champ back to back Grey Cup champions. They look like just another team in the middle of the Western Division. They kind of do. They, they don't scare anybody right now, and they shouldn't. They, they've lost. They don't have Andrew Harris. So, you know, if, if Johnny Augustine is in the backfield, you know they're not throwing it to him. If Oliveira's there, he had 14 carries for 48 yards. I, I can deal with that on first down. I'm still keeping him second and middle, second and mid-range. Like, yeah. That's not terrible. They don't have Andrew Harris there to run it eight yards and bounce off three tackles and get another 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that offensive line was good. Starting to wonder – how much Andrew Harris hit those boards because they were able to run the ball so much. They got to give Augustine the ball more, don't they? He had seven for 43, while Oliveira had 14 for 48. Yeah. I, mean. I, I think with those two, especially, like, like I said, Johnny Augustine didn't get a target. 
they're not throwing to him out of the backfield. Um, but I, I feel like he, if he was starting, they wouldn't have a choice. They would have to. Because right now, if you put him in, teams can just disregard him. Yeah. If, 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 if he's not running the ball, you can almost disregard him right now. Um, the tandem thing, I'm not a big fan of it. I understand why you do it. Two different looks, guys, less reps but on the body and all yeah. that stuff. But you got to have a trust. You, eventually, you got to trust one guy. And I think Augustine is slowly showing, or maybe even quickly showing, that he can do this job. And I think if he becomes that number one guy, because they're going to have to pick. They can't do this all year. Um, if he becomes a number one guy, I think he becomes way more involved in the offense, passing-wise. And, you know, they can both block well. They both run the ball well. Uh, Brady, at just an off night at 3.4 yards of carry. But they got to make a choice here because game planning with two running backs offensively isn't that, isn't that fun. They, uh, they almost used Augustine as the closer. He was uh, yeah. getting more carries at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, so we'll see what that means going forward. Uh, Greg Ellingson and Zach Caleros. I mean, uh, Ellingson, two weeks, two touchdowns. He's yeah. started off the season very well. How uh, happy is he to not be an Edmonton right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. L- last year, through 10 games, he had one touchdown. And now he's got two through two games with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So Zach, well, when you have when you have the MOP throwing you the ball, yeah, yeah, likes looking not, his way, not Taylor Cornelius, <laughs> and, and somebody that's been oddly quiet, I think, so far in these two games is Nick Dembski. Mm-hmm. Um, they they used him a lot in the last couple of years, and maybe that is the Andrew Harris effect that everybody's looking at number thirty three and number ten is kind of. Mm-hmm. A hybrid guy. They, they yeah. give him the ball to run. They 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 hit him in pass in the passing game too. But that hasn't happened so far. No, and two when you have Andrew Harris in the backfield, can you only can you go with three down linemen on, on the defensive side of the ball? You have to account for him catching and rushing the ball. That opens up matchups for you know your receivers and slot backs, and that's kind of gone right now in Winnipeg. And starting to see like Nick Dembski is he's a Swiss Army knife. He can do yeah. a lot of things. Um, but you know, pretty easy to defend when teams can disregard one aspect of offense. The big thing here is that uh, it, it, it kind of just seemed like Winnipeg, they're able to win those ugly games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen that before. Even yeah. There's a reason why they've won the Grey Cup twice in a row. Winnipeg or Ottawa just isn't there yet. No. They, they're probably <laughs> kicking themselves. Like they they had a chance last week in Winnipeg, and they probably really wanted uh, to to do it at home here. And they mm-hmm. they got off to a lead. Darvin Adams had two big plays. He had a forty eight yard catch, and they were able to move the ball on the ground. They didn't have William Powell, but Devontae Williams ran hard. He had over seven yards of carry, twelve carries for eighty five yards. Yeah, and I mean when you have that kind of running attack or you have the ability to have that. And then you have Jeremiah Masoli, who's very, a very mobile guy Yeah, that opens up so many options for your offense. Play act like the play action. When you're, when you're averaging 7.1 yards, the play action is going to work a hell of a lot better. Now tw- I'd like to see more than 12 carries probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they're, 
everybody was all over Ottawa saying they're going to win the East. And I'm, no, they're not. But they're 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 way better than they were last year. This is not. They could be a three or four win team, but it's not going to be, you know, that three wins where it's like, oh my god, why are we watching this? Yeah, like, yeah. This is the second straight game of Masoli being over three hundred yards to start the year. Like they've got a quarterback, they've got the they've got Darvin Adams, they've got you know Napahard does not get talked about a lot. He went seven for seven for ninety one. Yeah, that was a big game for him, right? They have they got Jalen Acklin. Uh Justin Hardy had a big night. They have the pieces there. This maybe have to make a couple little additions here and there and some tweaks, and they could be in the thick of a playoff race. Now, whether or not they can turn that around this year or if it's a next year thing, and they're kind of just making sure things are in place this year, who knows? But they're not winning the East. Let's not get crazy, but they're gonna be a better team. I don't know if they're gonna be a better team record wise, but they're definitely gonna be in more games. Well, you know what? <laughs> Just like uh, we kind of mentioned last week, the possibility of three teams in the East being 0-2, well, mm. here we are. <laughs> Almost like I went 4-0 in Beckham. <laughs> the Argos, uh, you know, 1-0 on the year, while the rest of the East is 0-2. So they got a nice little head start there. <laughs> only, like, yeah, they're only a game up. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, so it, it looks like the Jalen Acklin and uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli connection is uh, alive. Yeah. Uh, Mazzoli, 27 of 38 for 331. No interceptions, but also no touchdowns. And, and they go, if you throw for 360 or whatever yards he threw for last week, you, you think you'd win that game. Like, And all I can think of is, well, if you're throwing for that much, you're probably playing from behind. It's a lot different. Well, at least I think in the it's CFL. It's a lot different than the CFL for sure. Like 300 yard games are almost like uh, expected if you're going to be a good starting quarterback. Yeah. 300 probably should happen. Yeah. <laughs> but he does move the ball a lot. He just yeah. needs to get it across the uh, goal line, goal man. Line. Yeah. yeah. I think this offense, this offense is going to be fine with him back there. It's yeah. going to be, it's probably a thousand percent better. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, I should have had this stat ready. Like, how many 300-yard passing games did Ottawa have last year? <laughs> oh. I bet you it's between between zero and two. That's my it's just, guess. It's just like zero and point five. We, like, we need a producer on the side that can look up this stuff on the side. Yeah, like, do you really think Dom Davis? <laughs> or Matt Nichols early in the season? Oh, Matt Nichols. <laughs> Didn't they beat Edmonton with like 61 yards passing in yeah. week one? Matt Nichols might not have had 300 passing yards last year. And a win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Jalen Acklin had seven for 77. But I think the one guy to mention is Dalton Schoen of the Bombers. Two weeks into the season, he had himself another touchdown, two and fifty-eight. Here, that might be a new name that we're going to have to get to know. Uh, looks like a reliable 13. guy. 8, 13.8 fantasy points as well. Look at that! Like, it's not a bad night. I, I know we were talking about, and the talk out of Winnipeg was we got to look out for Rashid Bailey having a big year, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so far, <laughs> Dalton shown. I don't think he remembers much. Oh yeah, that game on Friday night. That was Pat. There was a couple Paul Korea moments this weekend. <laughs> I think there was one in the Calgary <laughs> Hamilton game. Oh my god, and that wasn't even a hit. Yeah, yeah, that was an accident. Yeah, 
guys were getting lit up this weekend. They were. They were. Uh, let's talk about Calgary Hamilton, where <laughs> it, it's fun to look on Twitter. Oh, 15 minutes in the game. Looks like I'm chasing in the late one. <laughs> oh, the Ticats had a 24 3 lead at halftime. The Stamps scored 24th quarter points and won 33 30 in overtime. Forget 24 3 at halftime. It was 24 0. The, the last game that counted at Tim Hortons Field was also <laughs> an overtime loss for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Also ended in a pick. Yes, deflected pick. Um, yeah. Sean Thomas Erlington wants that one back. We know that. Uh, although he did get hammered after yeah after the 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 ball went off his hands but if you go back if you go on twitter right now those uh tweets from early in the first half of the yeah. stamps ticats game are writing off bo mitchell writing off the stampeders i said after the first quarter i wanted to see jake mayer i had zero interest in this game other than my bet well, and then all of a sudden, you see Tommy Stevens behind center. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> but he was just there yeah. to run the ball. Yeah. Um, but you see the contrast in coaching styles between Dave Dickinson and Kahari Jones. I, I know both through the pick. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, I know both through the pick, but he wasn't looking bad. It, it, no. it, it looked like everything was going wrong for Calgary. The defense was getting exposed. They had some young guys back there in the secondary, like two yeah. rookie, rookies between the this, safety this and the is, halfback. Like this Stamps defense right now is leaving a lot to be desired. At the same time, they got the win. Once once Hamilton got the twenty four, they shut them down. Later they, on in the game, uh, Hamilton needed about a foot starting on second down. They get stopped. Then. Oh. Calgary just literally steals the ball out of Dane Evans' hands on third down and ties the game. Thank God you can't review forward progress. I thought that that might have been stopped. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a that's an interesting call there. Yeah, that's that. There was a lot of interesting calls this weekend. <laughs> but that's okay to me. Well, no. Hamilton fans won't think it's okay. Uh, I was a pretty. But here's the thing. <laughs> Calgary loses their starting running back. They lose their backup running back. I would think. They've got Charlie Power <laughs> taking yep. the carries when they need him to, and they still make the comeback and beat the Ticats. That, yep. that, to me, it just shows you that's they, coaching. They never panicked. No, never once. They never – Dickinson just said at halftime, we got to keep on fighting, and they did. Like, and we say it as a joke all the time that no lead is safe. They're going to be a one nothing game because of Rouge. No, uh, no lead yeah, safe. yeah. It, that was a slogan for a reason. These teams that panic when they're down, I get it. But when you have a team like Calgary, uh, you know, with that with the veteran presence they have and Bo Levi Mitchell, like when Mike Riley was in Edmonton, you never worried that much. You always knew there was a chance. Yep that this game wasn't over, you know, a score and a field, two scores, 10 points. You're right back in this thing. Like your defense needs to make some stops, make, make some adjustments. That's what halftime is for. You can come back out. These teams like Montreal who had no reason 
to panic. Exactly. Really. Like I get why they are because everybody's on inspiring deals, but like you're panicking for no reason. Calgary didn't panic. Yeah. Tommy Stevens comes in and everybody thinks what the hell is happening. <laughs> up just be for one play. Yeah. Yeah. And they come back. Mm-hmm. Like you just have, it's a grind. It's 60 minutes. Like, you can score in ten in five seconds. You can score a touchdown. Exactly. The teams that panic are the teams that don't win those games, and we've seen it time and time again. There, there were times in the second half. Well, Bow, it almost looked like vintage Bow at times. Yeah. Honestly, looked like he wasn't even really trying, <laughs> and the ball's just flying out of his hand. And look, some of those, some of those throws, like they weren't even close. It just showed me like. You arrogant son of a... <laughs> That's what it felt like, yeah. Are like you I, kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you owe me $100 for being... Like, well, he was fired up. You could see after the game, he yeah. ran up to the TSN panel. Like, he has a chip on his shoulder, too, and he is playing with... But uh, why? Why does he have a chip on his shoulder? He's got two great cups. Yeah. He'd be the first to tell you he did not play well last year. When he was in the lineup. Oh, I think so, yep. And I, I don't think a lot of people would disagree with that. Where's this chip? I don't, I don't understand that. Like, maybe at, maybe at halftime, you get a little pissy because you're not playing very well and your team's not playing very well. And you come back. And that's great. You should be fired up. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's the Henry Burris chip on his shoulder. Well, I was just going to say. I think he's trying to prove it to himself right now. Right. It, it was the I'm, – I'm sure Bo's read the headlines. Uh, oh, yeah, if he can I, read. I'm, I'm sure he's got a uh, burner account on Twitter with, uh, you know, people saying, get Jake Mayer in there, Bo's done, Bo's hurt, all this stuff. He knows. He, know, he knows what people right. are saying. Any athlete says they don't read that. They do. I think it's full of crap. Yeah. Well, no, I, How do you avoid it now? How, how can you avoid that stuff? Yeah. That's your – Unless you don't have, like, you stay off the internet at yeah. this point. They don't even social media, the internet. Well, and I, I'm sure that uh, he would hear it from the fans uh, at Tim Hortons Field if uh, he somehow forgot about it in real life. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, yeah, you brought up Henry Burris, and he said he, he, he basically created his own chip on his shoulder. That's what kept him going. Well... Didn't shank every third pass he threw at Saskatchewan. He probably wouldn't have got booed so much. Did he go in as a builder or a player? That's a great tweet. That's I a know. Great I did, it did not get enough love. <laughs> but this is a, this is another situation with the stamps. Like which which receiver is going to have a big game? It almost seems like you know the big boys did. Reggie Bagleton six. For 47, a touchdown. Kamar Jordan, seven for 109. Richie Rich, Sindani, uh, four for 35. I just made up that nickname, Richie Rich. Remember that movie? Um, John Larroquette. Luther Hakuna Vanu. Oh, man. There we go. Close enough. 30, three for 31, but that was yeah. also a dynamite yeah. touchdown catch he had. Yeah. Um, you know, he had eight targets. Three yeah, catches. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd like to see that be a little better. Yeah. But uh, when guys a little further, I shouldn't say further down the depth chart, just maybe further down the offensive options. Yeah. Because he is a starter. Uh, I believe he was a starter this week on offense. But yeah. when guys, you know, that aren't Kamar Jordan, that aren't Reggie Bagleton, and even to a point, Malik Henry, 
when those guys start doing stuff like that, I mean, every, that fires everybody else up to start to begin with. Because if some if those other guys do it, it's expected. Mm-hmm. Now you're firing up your teammates, and it's a bonus because you're putting points on the board in a position where maybe it wasn't like I'm sure every guy's got plays made for him in that in that offense. We know that. We know, we know that's a thing, but when when they when they come through and execute like he did on that play, that's just that's a huge confidence booster for him and in his coaches, like having confidence in him to make those plays. Look, I, I was telling people at Commonwealth Stadium yesterday, and I, I said Calgary winning the Grey Cup over Toronto, which Jagera Dav- Davis would still make his uh, sixth the great cup in a row. <laughs> He's basically, it's the Armory Auger Street. But but <laughs> let's look at this. Uh, yeah, the year, having a teammate playing in the Stanley Cup final. This is the it's first incredible. year in forty-one years. That it it's incredible. Happened. So the Stamps here, they're home to Edmonton next week. So three and zero. Then they've got a buy, and they're in Edmonton. So in between then, Edmonton's got to travel to Hamilton for uh, for Canada Day. So they're going to come back and be... They're gonna, Edmonton's going to be out of playoffs after those two games. So there's a very they might, real... They might be eliminated. <laughs> there's a very real possibility that the Stamps are 4-0 here. And Edmonton's 0-5. Yeah. And a lot of people had Calgary kind of written off. And... Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> I, Last night, I said they might be worse than that than the Elks. Well, and when I watch Winnipeg, they look very beatable. Yeah, they look normal. They, they, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Um, so There's only one team in the West that looks unbeatable right now, and it's BC. We've only seen them play Edmonton. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so, like, as far as Calgary goes, I, I, I don't think Kadeem Carey will be hurt long term. He he might be the best running back in the league, but he stayed on the sideline. He was in equipment. I I don't know what that tells you, yeah. but but even Peyton Logan and I know he he gets knocked out by Tunde Adelike. That it's was always, the hit, right? It's always a good sign when your arms stay up. Yeah, that's rough. That you don't want to see that on the well. And then Malik Henry goes to pick him up. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, no. Oh man, but. Whenever he's able to play again, the running back situation in Calgary is very it's good. Fine. If they're healthy, it's – I mean, go down the list, BC, I mean, Jamal Miles – or Jamal Lyles, okay. You know, not a world beater. Had a big weekend, Edmonton. In Edmonton, James Wilder Jr. has it. Could be – like, he was a beast in his rookie year. Kind of falling off. And that offense isn't going to help him. But he had some big moments last year. It hasn't yep. come so far. It hasn't but. come so far. I mean, then you have the Calgary situation. Saskatchewan has Jamal Morrow, who's also returning kicks. Had a huge night. Winnipeg, nobody knows what they're doing. Like in the West, I think it's it's hands down. I don't think it's close. They have the best running back and the best running backs probably. Yeah. As a team, like I mean, if, if Kadeem Harry, if Kadeem Carey isn't hurt, I I don't see an issue with this offense right now. You know, and I know I I pumped the tires of Calgary a lot here, but I, I think how do we not like? Well, that, I know that, that, yeah. that they've they've done nothing but win. So yeah. I mean, like, how do you not? But I, I think we also learned a lot about the Tie Cats. Like after the Saskatchewan game, again, a lot of overreaction. Like they look yeah. terrible. You know, they're going to be bottom of the East, not even hosting a playoff game, kind of thing. But uh, this week, it, a different team. They were up twenty four nothing. 
Yeah. Lost the game, whatever. Dane Evans still threw 425 yards. Yeah. Yeah. It's the 51 pass attempts, though. 51. That's that's ridiculous. Sean Thomas Erlington and Malik Irons, four carries. Yeah. Sorry, six carries for 21 yards. When are they going to figure out they need to run the ball to win games? Especially, especially in October, November. Mm -hmm. And you could even say December because of last year. They're not winning a great cup with this often. That's not going to happen. I mean, it worked out for them in the end, but the, the wind was flying all over the place at Tim Hortons mm-hmm. Field, and they probably could have used a little bit more. Well, especially when you got a 24 nothing lead. And now I know you can't kill the clock in the CFL like uh, the no. NFL, but, but it, come beat on. The, it beat up the defense, yeah. Maybe, maybe you got to deal with some second and seven, second and eight. Yeah. And two... Calgary made some real bad play calling down the stretch. Yeah. That didn't make any friggin' sense to me when you like, why are you taking deep shots from your own five? I know. <laughs> Just march, throw the ball five yards, get some crap. They're going to give you that underneath stuff. They just, they don't want to be beat deep. Mm-hmm. March it down. You have two minutes. I don't, I don't get that. It, it's stupid. But why can't you kill at least a minute? And maybe, like, to run it twice, I mean, you're not probably not going to run second and eight. But if you can run on that first down, get three, four yards, maybe. I mean, he averaged – Sean Thomas Turner averaged 3.6 in his five carries. You don't, you don't have to take these 15-yard shots to get five yards. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if you're not going to commit to the run – and you're only going to run it five times. What's the point of even running it those five times? The Stamps were, well, the first half, they were missing uh, Cody Grace uh, <laughs> punting for them. But that, that mm-hmm. wind was crazy. And uh, But Rene Paredes uh, being clutch, his clutch yeah. self again, four for four in that wind. A- as far as the Ticats offense goes, like it looks like it all went through number tw- 12, right? Tim White? Yep, yep. Uh, 11 catches, 131 yards, including a touchdown, 14 targets. But I think the guy I want to mention, too, is uh, Stephen Dunbar. Six catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. So I think he had the 38-yard touchdown uh, this week. He had a 70-yarder last week. Two weeks, two big plays. Dane Evans is going to like hitting him with the deep ball. Yeah, if these two guys, if him and Tim White stay healthy, let's put some respect on Braylon Addison's name. Yeah, yeah. Coming, hey, coming back eight for ninety six, eight, <laughs> eight, eight, eight of ten for ninety six yards. Uh, you know, if those three guys are going and David Unger can chip in too, like they have the receivers to do some damage. But like I said, if they're not going to commit to running the football, teams aren't going to give a crap about well who's in their backfield or what they're going to do, and they're going to be able to, you know, get that safety help over the top and. and in on some guys and slow that pass pass game down. I don't know how much, yeah. uh, but they they got they're just very one dimensional, and that's why they're not winning in the playoff. That's why they're not winning great. I, I do think running the ball ended up uh, almost deciding this game in a roundabout way. Saskatchewan yep. beating Edmonton 26-16. I just thought that those early punches running the ball ended up making the fourth quarter a lot rougher on that Edmonton defense. Yep. And, and some of the late punches made it a lot rougher on the Saskatchewan defense. That was about as undisciplined I've seen the Riders play in a in a while. 
Craig Dickinson needs to get his team under control. The Riders had 14 penalties for 134 yards. The Elks had six for 55. A pretty clean yeah. game, all things considered. Yeah. yeah. But the Riders. The penalties the Riders took were just penalties of stupidity. Do I think taunting should be a penalty? Absolutely not. You are a professional athlete. If you can't handle getting a loss rubbed in your face, you need a different <laughs> profession. Am I wrong? Who 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 is taunting hurting? No, I I think that anytime the NFL has a taunting flag, CFL fans are very quick to say, "Oh, the no fun league." Yeah, I, I think we should embrace it here. Let the teams, the players, show their personalities. Hundred percent. Duke got lucky last week. That's yeah. coming back to bite him in the ass now. The Riders. I don't agree with the rule. I think it's stupid, but you know it's a rule. Like when Rogers got his and he was grabbing his crotch, the refs <laughs> told him to stop. And he kept doing it. So then they threw the flag. They gave him that out. Like Moncrief threw what, three punches last night? Yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the Chris Jones factor had them fired up or what. Maybe, maybe. But like, yeah, you get caught up in the game, but that was just so bad. And everybody's going to blame Al Bradbury because that's what Ryder fans do. But that wasn't it. It was the Riders being absolute clowns. Well, they uh, they put in a focus on it this offseason. If you get two yeah. misconducts, you're gone. Yeah. And I really didn't think Derek Moncrief would be the guy that would be no. the first one. I figured it would be Shaq. Shaq or Duke. Maybe. Just because wide receivers – you know, score touchdowns, get a little... Yeah, humor, yeah, that's whatever. true. Th- that was the story. Like, I mean, the game shouldn't have really been all that c- close, no. but th- that's part of the game. And if the writers are going to play that undisciplined and have that many stupid, just timely penalties, whether it's a holding, which might be one of the most devastating penalties a team can take... Uh, but at the same time, if you don't hold and you give an open shot, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, even Glenn Cedar said that's just some really terrible right tackle play. I, I see Rogers um, holding. Uh, I see Rogers holding. I see he, he had three holding penalties. That's and not all he was holding. And a misconduct penalty. <laughs> That's not good for you if you want to keep a spot on the team. But the the riders' depth at offensive lines is going to be really tested here because About they're to be un- tested. Their undisputed team team leader, offensive yep. line leader, Dan Clark. Uh, they're fearing a broken leg. Had to get carted off the field in the fourth quarter, yep. which is. Oh, it seems like these injuries always come when the game's pretty much done. Yeah, we're talking about a guy that flipped his car seven times, got thrown out of the windshield, and basically walked away. Yeah, didn't miss a, guy, a game. <laughs> and then a guy rolls on his leg and is broken. Like, you know if Dan Clark's down? He's not hurt. He's injured. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. So that's a tough one because – and, a, and a, you're starting center, not just an old, not just a garter tap, not not downplaying those roles in the offensive line at all, but the center touches the ball as much as the quarterback. He's uh, the only offensive lineman over the age of 30. Logan Bandy's there at 23. Well, Matlin Riley retiring, uh, that one yeah. was a big hit 
I think, to the team. Furland is 25. Johnson's 27. Jamal Campbell, he's on the injured list, 28. He's I don't think he's a center. So there's going to be some shuffling on the O-line, and I think that is a big loss for yeah. this Rough Rider team. I don't know if it's for the season, but... It's gonna if it's broken. I didn't see the video replay. I didn't see if it was you know yeah. bent in any weird directions. But Bo yeah. had a broken leg last year and missed a few games, so we'll see yeah. how serious it is. Um, hopefully, it's not that serious and he'll be able to play again this year. Obviously, probably a broken leg mm-hmm. as an offensive lineman. Six uh, eight weeks before your yeah yeah. And then just think of the muscle atrophy. Like I mean, that's your base as an alignment. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Cody Fajardo, 20 of 26 for 247 yards and a touchdown. No uh, Duke Williams in this game, but Shaq Evans, I mean, it seems like he's already made more big plays this year than he did last year. Five of 81, including a beauty 36-yarder. He's at 100%. Yeah. You know, full full offseason, full training camp, get his body right, and now we're reaping the benefits. Mitchell picked in a couple big plays, including a touchdown, four for 56. And two-pointer. Yeah, same touchdown. Keen Schaefer-Baker, three for 51. But, I, I, again, that running game, Jamal Morrow, 17 for 126 and a touchdown. Even the backup, Frankie Hickson, had over six yards of carry, five for 32. That's serious stuff beating up the uh, Elks on the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's when when Morrow was averaging over at one point, I think he was averaging like eight yards a carry. Yeah, like the Elks just had no answer. Not only wearing up the defense, but giving his offense that second and two, second and three. You know, getting the short yardage guys in there, second and one, like keeping that offense on the field, making it easy for those second downs. It's just so huge. The the Riders couldn't ever really pull away no. in the game. Uh. They would get close and then take a stupid penalty. And- That's what a lot of it was, I think, taking these stupid penalties. There was even a moment in the game where the Riders were, what, third and 37. There was one point they were first and 28, I think it was, or first 25, and they ran a draw. Yeah. And well, almost and got a first down. And they would get a big chunk of yards on the ground. Yeah. The Elks missed a field goal, and, you know, the, the Riders go to return it out. Uh, Samuel Emelis, the, the rookie, fumbles it. Elks ball. Like, they <laughs> – I got one, I got a text from our buddy Kendall. who's at the league watching the game, and all it said two words. It just said ball security. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, you cannot fumble the ball in that situation. You cannot. As a rookie, that's uh, – those are magnified with the coaching staff. <laughs> Have you ever seen – we got to look up the stat. When's the last time a player had 17 targets in a game? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, no, no Darrell Walker for Edmonton. I get it. It's definitely happened in the recent past because we have we've had guys put up ridiculous. I think that I, I can I think I can remember like an eighteen target game or something yeah. like that. But Kenny Lawler got the ball for almost exactly half of Nick Arbuckle's passing attempts. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny Lawler, 12 of 17, 149 yards, including a ridiculous yeah. highlight of the year touchdown catch. 
The closest, the closest receiver target wise was Caleb Hawley, who's only on the roster because freaking uh, what's his name? Walker. Out, Walker was out. Get five targets, two catches. Holly was not an elk six days ago. <laughs> Wasn't an elk three days ago. <laughs> Holly had a tough drop, uh, and then had a big forty-four yarder to kick off the second half. And I'm sure Andrew was yelling push-ups from the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that good was to bad. see. It's good to see Andrew of the Turf District podcast at the stadium again. It was. Good to chat football with that West of his crowd again, man. It, it, everything felt normal again. Uh, even Manny Arsenault had a 66-yarder. So in the stadium, they, they played this video on the screen, and it was like Manny Arsenault was behind this big box, and he, he can't see what's inside the box, but he reaches around the outsides, and they oh, get yeah, him to, they do on Jimmy Fallon. It's, yeah, called What's in the Box. And What's they put in the a, box? <laughs> they had a, uh, a garden gnome in there with Manny Arsenault, and he, he basically figured it out. And then the very next play, 66-yard play yeah. to the Manny show. Uh, vintage, I think we can say that, Manny Arsenault yeah. for the Edmonton Elks. That was pretty cool to see. What, wasn't a huge part of the offense, three, three catches on three targets for 85 yards. Um, but when you have guys – like Kenny Lawler and Darrell Walker when he's in the lineup. You don't need Emmanuel Arsenal to be the number one target. Yeah. So he's going to open stuff up because he's still got it. They didn't give the ball to James Wilder Jr. as much as they nope. thought they would. He only had nine carries for 40 yards. And the game didn't get away from them. Either. No, no. One catch for eight yards. So it's been a quiet start to the season for uh, James Wilder. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's... Like he got banged up last year, did he not? I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it, they're just kind of preserving him or like you know trying to limit yeah. his carries. But I, if they could have kept running the ball, granted that Ryder defense seemed to sniff a lot of stuff out. Yeah. Uh, on the running side, but I mean, if they can, you know, establish the run, that's only going to help. Um, it just seems teams abandon it so quick. And when you have a guy like James Wilder, who we know can make the big play, I don't see why you would abandon it after nine carries. Down yeah. 4.4 yards. Like, that's not terrible. No, nope, no. Nope. It's not great. Not great. Middling. But, I mean. If you can get over four yards, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Uh, decent, what you want to see anyway. Nick Arbuckle, 21 of 35 for 315. Two picks and a uh, touchdown. Larry Dean getting one of the interceptions there. It was uh, Mike Adam, actually. Oh, oh okay. Sorry, it was uh, Moncrief that yeah. had an interception. Yeah. That was, a, that was a play. Larry Dean is the one that forced the fumble yeah. there. So, that, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. I was worried to see an AC Leonard uh, recovered that fumble. Yeah. What was going to happen to the defense when they lost Derek Moncrief, but they were able to keep it together. I mean, yeah. One one play that I don't know if anybody noticed. You remember that Jamin Pelly that ended up leaving the University of Calgary uh, early. He is uh, six foot six, three hundred and twenty pounds, twenty four years old. He had a big run stop. Uh, oh, was that the guy you sent me the video of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he made an impact with a big run stop in this one, and man, that guy's an absolute monster. I, I do, yeah. I do think that the Elks are going to be a – well, they're going to improve as the year goes on, um, and they're going to 
they're not going to, you know, make the playoffs or anything. Well, at least I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Travis. <laughs> but I, I do think a Chris Jones team will keep it interesting uh, throughout the balance of the season. Um, we'll, we'll see how long they're going to keep the quarterback situation, what it is. Arbuckle looked a lot better. Well, he had more of a chance to, mm-hmm. to play this week than he did last week against BC, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you throw away that tape last week. I don't think you even want to know that that happened. Were they explaining on TV what happened at the end of the game there? <laughs> so I'm in the stands. And the Elks, I think they took an offside penalty. Mm-hmm. And then Bradbury announces the clock's going to keep running after this penalty. And yeah. then the, the Elks throw yeah, out the field goal the riders, team. The Riders declined. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. They, elect, they elected to have the clock run. Last time I checked, that ball was spotted before zeros were on the, on the clock. So there's one more play. Yeah. So the Elks go to throw out the field goal team. To backdoor cover and screw over everybody that took Saskatchewan minus eight early in the week. Yeah, or I think they wanted to maybe do a point differential thing for later in the season. I, I think that's yeah. probably what Jones was thinking. Also, screw the betters. A little out of the box. <laughs> but then there's a big meeting with you Bradbury. He wanted time added onto the clock. Ah, but then the offense is back out. I don't know. Yeah, there, there was a lot of weird stuff going on does this any, week. Does anybody know what happens in an Al Bradbury? If you <laughs> Last week when everybody was like, oh, Al Bradbury is not a head official anymore. Man. It's like, oh, you haven't been watching football at all because <laughs> he does this like six, seven times a year where he's, where he's not the head official, but he's still on the crew. And then next week he's a head official again. Like, what game are you watching? It's been so like ten, that for four years. A 10-point win for the Riders, but uh, – the biggest loss has to be Dan Clark. That'll be ooh, a situation to watch. Now they've got a home-and-home home here with the Montreal Alouettes. Starts on Thursday, and Edmonton has uh, Calgary, Hamilton, Calgary. A uh, tough stretch for the Edmonton Elks. It could be 0-5 in a hurry. How many seasons? Like, I was talking to Andrew about this, like, you got to give Chris Jones some time. We well, like, do huge roster turnover, new schemes, all that stuff. How long until the fans just say "screw this" and turn on? And, and Elks fans are very knowledgeable. We know this. They they love their football. They're very smart. They know that this isn't going to be turned around in a year. But at own five, oh six, own seven, like it's pretty tough. Twenty three thousand fans at Commonwealth Stadium, and I don't envy Morley Scott, Dave Campbell. On most post game shows whatsoever. Well, his first year as coach in Edmonton sucked. Mm-hmm. His first year as coach in Saskatchewan sucked. A lot of what he did in Saskatchewan sucked. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> so uh, I think you got to start looking to next year and uh, and beyond. Yeah. It's a long term thing in Edmonton. Is the uh, starting quarterback for next year on the roster? Now that's an interesting question. Great question. It's the starting quarterback for Labor Day on the roster. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
half the defense might be cut by Labor Day. <laughs> this episode of Two It Out is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you switch providers, nothing changes about the delivery of these utilities to your home or business. If you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out the terms before leaving. And if you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. You, as the consumer, have the choice of who to pay your bills to. Why not choose your friendly local utilities provider? Learn more at parkpower.ca. We will uh, wrap up this uh, episode by talking fantasy numbers. Who were the leaders in week two Brazilian tie? Not a huge surprise here with the way that the offense played in Hamilton in that first half, but Dane Evans at 27.2, uh, followed by Bo Levi Mitchell at 18.5. Cody Bajardo rounds out the top three at 15.9. Uh, r- running back-wise, Jamal Morrow, I mean, monster game, 27.3. Sean Thomas Erlington, I don't think this is right. I'm going to look again because this seems way too high. Yeah, he had 22 points and a touch. He had a receiving touchdown as well. He had 17 or 22 points. Peyton Logan, 16. Andrew Harris, 14. Wow. Monte Williams in Ottawa at 11.8 for rounds of the top five. Wide receiver-wise, Kenny Lawler, uh, 32.9. That I mean, he was an absolute monster on Saturday night. Tim White, 30.1. Eugene Lewis, uh, pretty big drop-off getting to third from second at 19.7. And then the top five round up by Braylon Addison and Stephen Dunbar Jr. at 18.7 and 0.5, respectively. We both had losses in the CFL podcast Fantasy League. Um, mine, nah. <laughs> You're getting real good at picking guys you get hurt. Your list. Yeah. 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 My my problem is that I'm fully nocturnal. So I will uh, That's fair. awake till 5 a.m. and then I sleep till 3 and ties like, is, is Trav alive or. Uh-oh. Oh! <laughs> Ty's mom is on the podcast! <laughs> They're coming How are in. You? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Ty's as red as a tomato. <laughs> it's also 100 degrees in here. Oh, yeah, you got headphones hot. on, so she can't yeah. hear me. Well, ask her uh, what's for supper? Uh, brisket and potatoes out of a box. I cooked Father's Day supper. On Friday. <laughs> You're getting leftovers for Father's Day supper? <laughs> it's all good. I didn't have to cook. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm all in. Yeah, that brisket, uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> Rate, it's review. Hey, this is the end of the show, so go enjoy that brisket. <laughs> all right. Hey, everybody. Hello out there. <laughs> rate review and subscribe to to it out on your favorite podcatcher that was my favorite cameo of the season Ty it's week two <laughs> for Brazilian Ty I'm Travis Cura I hope you enjoyed week two week three starts this week and we'll talk to you on Thursday thanks for listening find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter <laughs>